You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll we'll start here. So, uh, Father, we thank you that uh, you've given us each other as the family. Uh, we thank you for this house, uh, for the establishment of your presence, uh, your kingdom rule and reign in this house uh, that brings honor and glory to you. And so, Lord, as we delve into the scripture, as we look at uh, the structure that you have ordained for the kingdom uh, in this realm, we ask that uh, you would grant us the revelation that we need, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we are looking, of course, at uh, Ephesians 4, uh, the fivefold ministry. That's the terminology that the church has used for quite some time to talk about those five positions or calls that uh, we see uh, within uh, that passage of Scripture. Last week, what we did was we talked about, uh, sort of we laid a foundation, uh, design, desiring that you would... Uh, have a better understanding of why that structure is in place. And the concept here is that those particular individuals that have those calls, those anointings, that gift, uh, actually are used by God in order to establish his kingdom and also bring the culture of the kingdom into this realm. Uh, I used a, a bit of a terminology as far as a, a military kind of structure, and I believe that's true. You know, you and I have been called by God as part of the army. Uh, our fight isn't against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. One of the things that we struggle with is we have a tendency to see each other as the enemy rather than the enemy. And so it's important to be reminded of that um, because there's no new truth. It's just that we lose the truth. Uh, a pastor friend of mine said, we're like a sieve. Uh, the truth seems to run out of us and fall on the floor. And we need to keep having the truth poured into us in order that that actually take root within us and produce the righteousness of God. And so, so it's just important. Uh, you know, we're in, a, uh, as Jeff has talked about, we are in a season now uh, uh, of transition. Uh, and uh, we have placed an awful lot of emphasis and angst on the elections and the political realm and that kind of thing. But I just want to remind you that God is still on the throne. So you can rest in that. You can rest in the fact that his plan and purpose is to use whatever goes on in this realm to actually bring redemption and glory to his name. And so and trust him to do that. Uh, so if you're struggling with disappointment or if you are elated, uh, because there are many different responses, but just know that no matter any of those places that you might be, God is still on the throne, and he's going to accomplish his work. And we want to cooperate with him accomplishing that work. And he uses individuals in the fivefold ministry as a way to help uh, release the kingdom. So if you think about it, you and I were called by God not only to come into relationship with him as sons and daughters, but out of that then create a culture that reveals the rule and reign of God, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of other people. And if God doesn't do it in you and I, then how can he do it in the world? If, if you and I do not allow him to change us, then what can we give away to this world? 
We're called to give the kingdom away. So that means we have to receive the kingdom of God. We have to receive the anointing. We have to receive the power and presence of God in order that you and I can actually carry the kingdom into this realm. Now, one of the things that is, I think, very important is that Thanksgiving is huge. We're coming up on that season. But when you and I understand that God has given us the privilege of being a son or a daughter, and he has given us uh, the privilege of actually bringing the kingdom to this world that desperately needs the kingdom of God, then my heart turns towards thanksgiving. It's like, wow, God, who am I? But you've chosen me, and you've established your kingdom rule and reign in my life. You are establishing. So it is a progressive work, okay? We're all growing. We're all changing. So you just need to know that wherever you're at, you're in a good place because God is going to use that to bring a new level of glory into your life and the spiritual transformation and ultimately the, the maturity. And out of that, then, you begin to see fruitfulness flow. Now, you don't have to be completely mature in order to bear fruit, okay? So because it's like we have this mindset of all or nothing. When, in fact, the kingdom of God is a powerful transition into greater and greater levels of fruitfulness. So you just need to know that, that you're all, all of us together in this house are on a gigantic mission to grow up in Christ and see the maximum amount of fruit produced. Now, Jeff talked this morning about the, the desire for fruitfulness, creating a structure, a culture that facilitates maximum growth within each one of us. And it's been said that Christianity is not a spectator sport. And yet the church many times has been very willing to hire or to elevate certain individuals, and the rest of the church tends to move towards passivity in that place of not actually being the individual that God has called you to. Now, um, the, the struggle, the enemy is always after two things. Number one, God's identity. He's, design, he's tr destroying, trying to destroy God's identity, and he's also trying to destroy your identity. Because if he takes those two things and twists it, what happens then is he has access to bring about his destructive work in our lives. You realize that all sin is the fruit of not knowing who you are? Yeah. You don't know who God is and you don't know who you are. That's, that's, the, that's the root of all sin. Yeah. But once you know who God is, once you begin to understand and experience. Remember, we are understanding head, but we're also heart. Now, as Western mindset people, we are predisposed to thinking out our head. And so what happens is, is many times our heart doesn't get the conversion that it needs. And it, it, that happens through experience. And what we want is to create a kingdom culture where the power of God is expressed experientially in each of our lives. That's what you carry. Maybe it's not operational at this point in time, or maybe you just see bits and pieces. But wherever you're at, there's more. 
wherever you're at right now, and earnestly desire the more of what God has for you, and let him do it through you. So we talked briefly, or now we, we talked at length last time, uh, <laughs> about um, just setting, laying that foundation. The, the structure is designed to f- facilitate maximum fruitfulness within the body of Christ, acts of service. All right, so it's to equip the saints for the power of the kingdom. Uh, Now, it's important to remember that the kingdom is not something you just talk about. It's actually something that happens. It's an action. The kingdom of God is an action. And so you and I should expect to see the kingdom at work and producing fruit in our lives. There's action that is involved in that. I like to use the term that love is an action word. It really is. You know, the way God, God defines love, it's action. For God so loved the world that he gave. His love necessitated an action. Our love necessitates actions. So it's just important to remind yourselves that that is foundational. It's not theoretical. It is action that takes place in our lives. And you know what happens? We all think, oh, we get so worried about that. I believe that God wants to make our lives naturally supernatural, where the love of God so powerfully penetrates our lives that it changes us, and then it begins to flow out of us. We can't help it. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That the love of God would flow through you to the point where you couldn't stop it. Okay? That's what God wants to do, that love flows through us, and it touches the world around, and it is then the witness of the, of the power and presence of God. So uh, Scripture declares that you shall be God's witnesses. And when I grew up in the church, witnessing was uh, basically you learned the five spiritual laws, and then you begin to beat people over the head with that. Or is there four? Dang. No wonder. I screwed it up. Yeah. There's four spiritual laws. <laughs> You know, it just, it just went on and on and, you know, you, but, but the thing of it is, is that, you know, conversion is the first step, but it's not the end. Discipleship. And that's why we're learning this. We are, and uh, this is a plug for Wednesday nights. It's a training on discipleship. It's helping you understand who you are. And it's also helping you understand more effectively who God is and what his plan and purpose is. So I'd encourage you to be a part of that uh, because we all can grow in those areas. But ultimately, discipleship then leads us to positions that God can use in the structure of the church. All right, so uh, it's training with a purpose, uh, not knowledge for the sake of knowledge, because the Apostle Paul deals with the fact that if you take knowledge for the sake of knowledge, it can cultivate pride and then ultimately division within the church. So the very thing that God wants to bring to us in the way of understanding revelation can actually sometimes bring about a prideful uh, idea within our minds where we begin to compare ourselves with each other. Now, Jeff addressed that this morning. Our goal is not to compare ourselves with each other. That is the beginning step of divisiveness within the church. Our goal is to let us be who we are, 
let God do what he needs to do in our lives, that we take our place with the brothers and sisters all equal to reveal the kingdom in and through us. And so it is a privilege to be a part of a family. It is a privilege. And so may your hearts be filled with thanksgiving in this season of adversity and difficulty and all of the turmoil that you belong to God and to his family, and he's going to do the work in you. And you have the opportunity of enjoying that. So training with a purpose. Now, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 1 through 5. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, it says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as, uh, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except G Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not about were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on the, on God's power. Whoa! Let that sink in. I'm sure you've read it before, but I think it's just important to remind ourselves of that truth as we look at the fivefold ministry. Okay, so. We live in a Greek mindset culture, meaning that we elevate wisdom above everything else. We elevate knowledge above everything else. In fact, if you've got brains and knowledge, you're really successful in this country and in this world. You get ahead. And so we really look up to those people. That's why people in the area of education, those people with uh, uh, with the gift mix, uh, movie stars, because, uh, you know, uh, what I find interesting is how movie stars are given the power to comment on the political system. What? They're actors. Now, do you trust actors? They're, they're just mimicking whatever the lines are. Why would you give them credit for commenting how who should be the next president or uh, what should take place within the world. I mean, you know, I, I'm like, I, but yet people do. Why? Because they respect them. They, they honor them because they value who they are or what they have become. There's a power involved in that, if you will. But so we place high value on the words that are spoken and the intellect. But the Apostle Paul says that that's not the real goal. In the kingdom, the real goal is power. Now, I'm attracted to power. In fact, I need power. I need power to get out of bed in the morning. Okay, I love it when I turn the lights on and I've got power. I've got electricity. I love it when the water is hot, not cold in the shower. We went to Columbia. I get on rabbit trails, but... We went to Columbia on a missions trip. They don't believe in hot water in the hotels, even the nice ones. <laughs> they have this little, it's like, I, well, anyway, uh, suffering on the mission field. Yeah, no hot water. I'll leave it at that. Okay, so, so, so the Apostle Paul says to us, it's power is what really changes our lives. 
Yeah. And then um, what um, is uh, we talk about believers um, and then uh, they become disciples. And then disciples can then be appointed as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What I find in the church today is that much of the church stops with the point at the point of, of becoming a believer. Discipleship doesn't happen. And as a result, we don't see the fivefold ministry actually being revealed. And so now it isn't an accusation, it's an observation. Uh, it breaks my heart when I see that kind of thing happening within the church. So my desire is to be a part of helping grow people at a discipleship level. That's the desire of Jeff and Janie. That's the desire of this congregation is to grow each of us up as disciples, to bring about conversions, to bring about believers, but then equip them in order for them to then step into the areas of power and influence that they've been called by God. To actually reveal. So you're a part of something much larger than yourselves, and it's a great, great opportunity. So uh, of God's disciples, then he begins to choose those uh, people that fall into those five positions uh, or calls. Each call carries the anointing of God, okay? Now, what's interesting, uh, you know, as you look at the, the spiritual gifts, some can be faked, and some cannot be faked, okay? It's hard to fake the gift of healing. It just is, okay? But the gift of tongues can be faked, okay? Now, I don't want to, I'm not going to delve into all this. I'm just wanting to say that, that what we're looking for is we're looking for genuine fruit in people's lives, not just those individuals who want to create a, an, a uh, uh, kind of an, uh, a projecting a particular particular gift or um, so you can um, like we've seen the televangelists okay <laughs> some of them <laughs> yeah yeah the hair yeah silver hair the you know I, I could never be one I just don't look like an evangelist uh, not not a televangelist and so and there's some horror stories doesn't mean that they're not necessarily called or gifted it's just that of the things that is challenging is as you rise up within power and authority is the kingdom of darkness works very hard. The enemy is after leadership. Why? Because it creates the maximum amount of damage within the body of Christ. So that's why the apostle Paul says, pray for your leaders. He says, pray for your presidents, pray for your kings, pray for those individuals who are in authority. Why? Because they are under attack by the kingdom of darkness. The enemy is trying to take them out. And so you just need to be mindful of that. We don't stand in judgment. What we do is we, Lord, put your anointing on them. Fill them. Save them from the attack of the enemy against them for their benefit and for mine. You realize that as you pray for those people in authority that have authority over you, when God does what he needs to do in their lives, it benefits you and I. You know, it's always important for you to understand your benefit in all of that. And there is powerful benefit in praying for those people who are in authority over you, whether it be uh, apostles or whether it be presidents. Um, so, uh, so each of us carries an anointing, and God grows that up. Uh, 
these functions and positions, if you will, because uh, the, these fivefold ministries have both a position, if you will, and they also have a function, too. So what is the fruitfulness that takes place in that? We see different kinds of fruit out of different calls within people's lives. But we all need all of that in order for the well-balanced body of Christ. And so, so we, uh, God knows just what to do. And we never outgrow our need to cooperate with what God is doing. Because with that, we see maximum benefit in our lives and the lives of other people. So there are different uh, levels of anointing and different areas of influence. Different, each one of us, because of our relationships, have different areas of influence. You know people that I don't know. My life intersects with a group of people, and I have influence based upon how I'm connected with them, okay? The same is true for you. One of the things that you don't want to forget is, you, is that each area of influence there is power given to you to bring the kingdom into those group, that group of people. And you don't want to throw that away. Now, I am not saying that, you know, at Thanksgiving, you're getting together and you've got some pagan relatives. You don't torment them with the gospel. Okay? Stop it. What you do is you let God speak through you. You ask God, what do you, how do you want to use me today in touching these people's lives? Why? Because God knows just how to get everyone. He knows just how to pull everyone into the kingdom. And he's chosen you and I. This is, a, this is a responsibility. It is a privilege, but it is also responsibility for you and I to let God work through us to touch the lives of the people around us. Okay? It's a beautiful privilege. And do not discard that. But also... Let the wisdom and the Spirit of God give you the actual way to operate with those individuals. You know, I, I spent a lot of my time in sales, okay? And you know what? You don't have to close the sale anytime you meet someone. It's sowing seeds. Yeah, it's prepping the ground. There's all sorts of wonderful aspects in the kingdom that you get to be a part of. And so, but you also don't run away from the opportunities that God provides. And it's like, oh, okay, God, you're leading me into this conversation. And I am here to be salt and light and to release the kingdom into their lives. That is a privilege. So it's not you're getting another notch in your gun belt because you're taking someone captive from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. No, no, that's not. God sets the captives free. You don't. Other than whatever God does through you begins to draw people into the kingdom. Okay, I got off track here. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, my wife. So come. Yeah, that, uh, yeah where am I? <laughs> Jeff, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, it's like, and he's like, Are you, exactly, yeah. He, he gave me the microphone and, and he, you know, anyway, so, all right. Uh, what I, I won't read uh, the, the next passage of scripture, but it, it talks about uh, Matthew 8, 5 through 13, and it's the centurion, uh, uh, Roman centurion that has a, uh, 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 a, uh, 
an attendant to him that's sick. And uh, he says, uh, Jesus, he comes up to the, Jesus and says, uh, will you, will you, would you heal him? And Jesus said, yeah, I'll go uh, to uh, your house. And the guy goes, no, no, you don't need to do that. All you have to do is speak the word. Why? Because I'm a man under authority, and I tell people to go and do things, and they'll do it. And you're a man under authority, and you all you do is have to speak the word, and it'll be done. And Jesus was astonished. Whoa. How do you astonish Jesus? Now, would that not be cool for each of us to astonish Jesus? Yeah. But he understood authority. One of the things that you and I many times don't get is the way God works in authority in order to bring the kingdom, okay? So there's a structure. And so we see that take place in the fivefold ministry. Um, as we, um, and each of us carries a degree of authority, but God wants to grow that. For whatever you have in your life, if you're a good steward of it, then you will see it grow. And so, so it's important to remember that as you steward what God has given you. Now, it is best not to be a whiny guy and say, God, how come you're not doing this? Or why haven't you done this? That's not a good attitude to have with God. You know, it's, I mean, as my kids, they understood that that was a poor attitude if they wanted something from me or my wife. You know, we would discipline for bad attitude. But anyway, so that's a whole other deal. But, uh, but those attitudes are very, very important. And so <clears throat> we have a tendency, and the enemy uses this, we tend to focus on what's not going right or what's not going well and what's going wrong rather than on what God is doing right, what, God, what we are choosing to do right, what we don't cultivate the good, we look at, the, at, at what is wrong. That's a critical spirit. And so the critical spirit comes against the structure of God. It comes against the fivefold ministry. Why? Because people will criticize what God is doing in and through their lives. And so you, gotta, you need to guard your heart against criticism. Why? Because it then begins to deplete the energy that the individual, why? Because, you know, our fight isn't against flesh and blood, but what happens when flesh and blood is using the enemy to fight against you? It depletes you. It begins to tear you down. And so you and I have a responsibility of encouraging and calling the best out of each other, of looking for the good and calling that out of each other. Why? Because that's being a good steward of what God is doing. And out of that, we will be blessed, and they will be blessed, and there will be an increase. Good stewardship says that there is a faithfulness within us that then allows the God to do a greater blessing, a greater anointing, a deeper work within that person and through that person. And so, as we understand uh, the purpose of God, as we begin to, to have a heart of thanksgiving, as we begin to cultivate those things out of people, what we see then is we see God's purpose revealed and we see an increase in anointing. So, if you have the gift of prophecy, as you are a good steward of prophecy, the gift will grow. Yeah. If you have the call to be a pastor, and now 
it isn't just those individuals that are appointed within the church. Each one of us has areas of influence where you will be a pastor, where you'll bless people, where you care for them, where you'll have compassion, you'll, you'll, you'll garden them, you'll, you'll, you'll attend to them. And so as you, are, as you are faithful in stewarding that, you'll see a growth in that. And as you are faithful in blessing other people, you will see a growth in them. And you will see a growth in you. Because all of our lives are intertwined. We're all connected together. That rugged individualism, that idea that, you know, I'm the independent into person and, you know, whatever, with you and I, with you. It's not in the kingdom. We're woven together. So what happens in my life affects you and vice versa. Just be aware of that. And we want to steward that. Uh, these calls um, are revealed uh, many times through the prophetic, okay? The apostles, uh, not only are they revealed through actual uh, fruit, but we also at times, and we can see that within the church, as the church grows in the prophetic, what happens then is the eyes of the Lord in the prophetic begin to reveal the calls in people's lives. It's a beautiful thing. There are churches that I'm aware of that actually use their prophetic team to actually help establish the revelation of their particular call, those individual people. And, uh, you know, it's like when I was called to be a pastor, I was resistant to that. I didn't want to be one. Okay, but I had a number of prophetic words. It wasn't until as soon as I said yes to the Lord in that arena, then I didn't get any more prophetic words. He'd already established that. I didn't need it. You know, when I finally surrendered, he got, and it took a while. I was resistant, okay? Yeah, I really was. I was resistant to that whole thing. Uh, well, I won't go into all the details, but uh, anyway, once you surrender, then God can work with you. The lesson is surrender. Surrender to the call of God in your life and let him do the beautiful thing. All right, let's talk about apostles. Okay, it's a Roman title or term that was uh, borrowed from uh, the Roman Empire, okay? And so, the, and I touched on this the last time, but it's just important to understand that the apostle, the apostolic movement that Rome sent, they, 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 were, they were the superpower, okay? So the United States is a superpower within this world. Uh, Russia had been a superpower. It's trying to get back to becoming a superpower. We're seeing China grow as a superpower within this, within this world, okay? So Rome was the superpower superpower at that point in time. They were conquering everything. They were going to take over the world, and they basically did. Uh, there were a few places where they couldn't get a hold of it. There were a few places I guess they didn't want. I don't know. But what happened is once you had conquered a particular area or city, uh, you would then send people from Rome that would be apostles, and they would be individuals that would establish a Roman culture. The idea is, so when the emperor came, the emperor would go, hmm, this feels like home. I like it here. So their job was to turn a new acquired city or country or whatever into a Roman culture. It's interesting. That is exactly what the apostle is designed to do within the kingdom culture. Apostolic individuals help 
establish a kingdom culture in this realm. That's the root of what an apostolic does. Okay, now there are individuals in the corporate world that are apostolic. Uh, there have been individuals in the past. Uh, I mean, uh, I forgot to bring the book. Uh, there's a six-volume set, God's Generals, okay? Now, if you look at a military campaign, the president is uh, the, uh, I lost the term. What do you call him? Chief, Ex the uh, commander-in-chief. Thank you, dear. Uh, thank you all for helping me here. <laughs> See, I know you all did it. Commander-in-chief, Okay. That is very similar in the military structure. Underneath the commander-in-chief are the generals, okay? And they're different levels. And then you have, what, corporals? And I, I wasn't in the military. Sorry, you know, I'm murdering it. Sergeant, I mean, you know, it, various things. Uh, I like to look at uh, the apostolic uh, or at the uh, fivefold ministry as a pyramid. So what you have in the very tip of the pyramid is you have a group, uh, a small group of individuals that have powerful leadership ability and a powerful call from God, and they help establish that apostolic culture worldwide. Uh, I could name a few, but you know, people disagree on who's, who's an apostle, and so uh, rather than creating that difficulty, there are individuals, both men and women too, by the way, okay? I think of Heidi Baker, I don't know if you know much about her. Huh? What an apostle. Yeah, a beautiful, she, uh, you should read her story sometime of how, what God did uh, in bringing about that. But there are other individuals, both men and women, who are called by God to literally establish the kingdom culture. She's doing that in Mozambique, okay, in, in Africa. What's interesting is that Mozambique has been a Muslim country, but the smack on the street is, is that it's now changing. It actually has more Christians than Muslims. Yeah. And that's primarily through the efforts of the ministry, the apostolic call that she has. Why? Because when she was at Toronto, Randy Clark says to her during one of the services, God wants to know if you want Mozambique. And she says, yes. She then fell out under the spirit and she was there for days as God dealt with her, did what he needed to do in her life. And then she came back and went under incredible spiritual warfare in Mozambique for a number of years before there was breakthrough. Okay, so the calls, gifts, and anointings you need to know are not without cost to you and I. Because uh, in the Bible, there is no small print. You know, I recently bought a refrigerator for a... Uh, a rental property, and it's like they got the big print stuff, but then there's a lot of little small print in the bottom. And I'm going, wait a minute, what's this saying? You know, or are you, I mean, well, you know how it is, the small print. The beautiful thing about God is that he doesn't withhold information, and he doesn't create things that are in small print so that you might miss it. Everything there is in Scripture for us here, and it's all in large print in order for us to actually see that. There is challenges to serving God. As you step into ministry, the enemy is aware of that and he will move against that. So you just need to remember, okay? It doesn't mean that it'll always be crazy and, and, and difficult. 
There are places of joy. There are seasons of rest. So it isn't that it's all gloom and doom, but it is important to understand, as Jesus said, you need to count the cost if you're going to follow me. And there is a cost, okay? And so that will look differently. We'll go, oh, they're paying less than I'm paying for serving you. And he goes, bad attitude, Bruce. Okay, need to change. Mm -hmm. Bad attitude. You know, it doesn't let me do what I want to do in your life because your bad attitude is getting in the way. And I go, okay, God, yes, you're right. You're always right. Okay, so the Roman term, uh, so it's to establish a culture. So, so you and I, when we, as the apostolic, it's designed to bring the kingdom culture to this earth and it provides comfort for, for Jesus. Yeah, it's home. Literally heaven. That's why you and I are to pray that heaven invade earth. So that, that is established. Okay. So um, it's the power to bring heaven to earth and to a culture. Uh, it talked uh, in Matthew 10. I won't read that. But in Matthew 10, it talks about uh, the, uh, the disciples were then appointed to become apostles. And then Jesus then released them into the signs and wonders. So what happens is in the apostolic move, you will see signs and wonders. The miraculous takes place. It's a confirmation that God has chosen them to actually lead in that particular area. Okay? Now, apostolic leadership does not replace the commander-in-chief, Jesus. It's a servant of the commander-in-chief. So all of these positions, and we can see, and that's where we get, can get bogged down as we go, why did God, why did you do that to them? And how not to me? And, you know, oh, bad attitude. Uh, and that reflects on God wants to change our motivation, okay? Because motivations are very, very important. It's interesting. Scripture says, you and I look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Yeah, he looks at the heart. He's aware of our motivations. You know, sometimes I'm not aware of my motivations. I need God to reveal that to me. Uh, sometimes there are places that, that my motivation, it, he wants to reveal that to expose a place where the enemy is using that a motivation to actually undermine what God wants to do in my life. So it's, that's a humble prayer. God, reveal my heart. You know, a lot of times we're afraid of that. We're afraid of what God's going to say. But that's because we don't believe that God is good. That's because we, believe that we don't believe that God is, is loving and kind and compassionate. And as a good father, and most of us struggle to have good fathers, even the best, we're not necessarily reflecting of who Father God really is. Father God is to be experienced, but if he loves us, which he does, he is kind. Everything that he reveals to us is for our benefit. So do not be afraid to come close to God and let him look at your heart. He knows it. It's not like you're hiding, okay? You don't just hide from God. He sees everything. So why not come clean with him and let him do the work that he needs to do so you can actually move on towards fruitfulness? It's a real opportunity for that transition. So signs and wonders follow those, those individuals in that apostolic area. Um, 
They preach with power and authority of the kingdom in heaven, and they will operate in the other gifts or the other calls or positions, okay? So the apostolic will, will operate in the prophetic. They will be evangelists. They will, uh, they will be pastors. They'll care for individuals. Uh, they will be teachers. If you look at the apostle Paul, you see all of those elements as the apostle, don't you? You see him uh, as a, uh, I mean, he operated in the prophetic. I mean, he was constantly seeing people come into the kingdom. Uh, I remember, I, I love the relationship that Paul has with Timothy. It's a father. He's a pastor to Timothy. He says, stir up the gifts that were given to you through the laying on of hands. He's just always calling out the best in Timothy. And I believe Timothy then stepped into an apostolic role. He was cultivating that. And so there was an impartation or an anointing. And you can remember uh, places, uh, and we'll talk about this, uh, uh, but as the prophet were, uh, Elijah's mantle was passed to Elisha, okay? There was a cultivation in the relationship. And so what we want to do is we, we, we uh, as God brings us people, uh, people into our lives, we want to give them what we have. Uh, why do I teach? Why does Jeff uh, pastor and teach? Uh, because he's got an anointing on him from God, and he's giving that to you. He's giving that to you. We're giving those kinds of things to you. You each have gifts and abilities, and God wants to take those things and let them be given through you into the lives of other people. Why? For the growth of the church, for the maturity of the church, for the fullness of the church. If you remember Jesus in John, his prayer was that you and I would bear much fruit. Wow, there are places in Scripture where it's really great to camp on. And when you say, Lord, may I be fruitful, and may it be motivated out of a heart that is submitted to you to see the kingdom rule and reign take place. Okay, so, um, so the apostolic uh, uh, is uh, a significant uh entry point for the kingdom to come into this realm. So, um, so let's now take a look at the prophet, okay? Um, today we, uh, this helped to go to the right page. Mm -hmm. Okay, hmm, that doesn't make sense. Okay. Uh, we have uh, we see uh, prophets both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay. Now they're not the same. Okay. <laughs> A whole different thing. See, uh, when you when you didn't when you didn't get the word right in the Old Testament, they could put you to death. Okay. <laughs> that would really be a downer for prophets in today's culture, wouldn't it? <laughs> but uh, so uh, the prophetic are the eyes of the Lord. He wants to give revelation. He wants our ability to see things from heaven's perspective, okay? If you think about it, we've been declared that we're seated 
in heavenly realms with Christ, okay? The idea is, is that all of us, and all of us function in a degree in the prophetic. All of us can operate in a degree within the apostolic as leaders, as individuals that bring the kingdom culture into our area of influence. Basically, it kind of depends upon what your realm of influence is whether it's the local church, whether it's a national call, whether it's your family, all of those positions function, the gifts from those function to you and through you individually in order for the revelation of the kingdom to happen globally at a national level, at a church level, or within your family. So that's how that all ties together. But uh, in the prophetic, uh, they were both revered and persecuted in the Old Testament. Depend upon their word. You know, kings didn't like the word, go kill the prophet. Okay? You know, and, and today, there are times when the prophetic word can come that we may not like it. But that's when you then take it before the Lord and say, Lord, is there any truth to that? Okay? That's where you begin to operate in that. Now, what you want is you want to cultivate, we want to cultivate, as this house, you and I want to cultivate a place where we can safely operate in both the apostolic, in the, the place of prophetic, as the evangelist, as the pastor, and as the teacher, okay? So when it's safe, then you can let the gifts actually manifest themselves. And so... Um, the Old Testament, they were a spokesman for God. The New Testament, also the eyes of the Lord. It's a part of the revelatory gifting. Uh, it actually, uh, in the gifts, there's the, the, uh, the prophetic, there's the word of wisdom, and there's the word of knowledge. All of them are seen gifts or revelatory gifts uh, that are available to the body of Christ. Uh, uh, one of the things about the uh, Elijah uh, and Elisha was the fact that, uh, remember his cloak was thrown onto Elisha from Elijah. There was a mantle there. In other words, there was an impartation that was left. One of the things within the body of Christ is we, those who are gifted have the ability by God to impart those gifts to other people through the laying on of hands, okay? So if you want to grow in the prophetic, find someone who's gifted in the prophetic, called to be a prophet, if you will, and then in that, Ask that they would begin to lay hands on you and bless that and encourage that. If there's an intercessor, then, I mean, there are many different gifts that are available in the body of Christ. But those people, wherever they're operating in that, they can, there can be an impartation. The Apostle Paul says, I'm getting a little bit off track here, but the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gifts you receive through the laying on of hands. Someone laid hands on Timothy multiple times, apparently, in the desire to grow the gifts within him, and then Timothy was instructed to steward those and steward those well. In the community of faith, you and I have the responsibility and the ability to cultivate all of the giftedness and grow it as one, because you and I are one body in Christ with different functions. Okay, so um, there was a mantle that rested on them. What's interesting in the Old Testament was that um, because of the lack of the blood of Jesus and the cleansing of an individual, what we see is we see that there was an uh, a uh, arresting of the Spirit of God on an individual 
on this side of the cross, there is now an inhabitation of the Spirit of God. Why? Because the blood of Jesus actually cleanses us. For the Spirit to indwell in the Old Testament would have to kill the individual because they just couldn't mix. We do not know what the blood of Jesus has done for us. We don't get it. We don't know how radical, because we've only lived on this side. We don't know how radically that has changed the complexion of the kingdom being revealed because God now indwells his people. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has cleansed us. Prior to that, it wasn't available. Everything was external. Now, if you want to listen, uh, Graham Cook talks uh, well about uh, the um, visitation versus the inhabitation. So in the Old Testament, the prophetic visited. In the New Testament, the prophetic inhabits. So rather than a visitation, we now have an inhabitation. God indwells you and I. And then, and so one of the other things with the, with the gift package is God can use any one of us at any time in any way he wants to because he is God. So you can rest in that. So you go, well, I don't, I don't operate that way. Well, God does, so get over yourself, you know? <laughs> he, he, he is able to use his children us, and it's a blessing to be used by God. Yeah, okay, so, uh, okay, the New Testament prophet uh, hears in different levels of clarity. There are some who are very accurate. There are others who tend to, you know, wander around a little bit, but we're not infallible on this side, okay? But that doesn't discount the gift of the prophet, okay? Um, I like to use the phrase that um, when, you're, when you're giving a prophetic word, what you say, and this is, and this is designed to, to protect you and the individual, this is my sense. I'm sensing or feeling that God is saying this to you. Okay, I use a terminology. It's like... Uh, uh, so, so you're seeing someone, and, you're, and, and God's speaking to you about them, okay? And what's happened is, is that this individual has had a rough life, and they've come into the kingdom of God, and they are, uh, they have, in the past, their, their operating system from, the, from, this, from this world's perspective is, is they have fought for everything that they have gotten, And what happens is they import that operating system into the kingdom. And it's like they're striving, they're fighting, they're grasping, they're clawing for every benefit. They're looking actually for affirmation, and they're trying to earn it. So you see that in an individual. And so what you do then is you release the word over them. Well, God sees your heart. This is what I'm sensing. He's saying that he wants to set you free from that place of striving. You don't need to strive anymore. The kingdom is not like this world. It's upside down thinking. You don't have to fight for it. It's a done deal. 
by Jesus. And he loves you. And he wants you. And he's calling you. And he's giving you the grace to step into a relationship that is a gift to you. So now it's time for you to live in that place of rest. Let go of your anxiety and your turmoil and those kinds of things. And now come into the freedom of resting in God's choice upon you. It is time for you to now let the power of God flow through you through two other individuals, but he wants to settle these issues inside of you. Now, that might be a prophetic word that you would give to them. You're encouraging them. You're, you're seeing where the enemy has confused them and where they've been operating in a way that is not going to work in the kingdom of God. And so God gives you that revelation, and you give that to that individual, and then you pray to actually release that in them, Okay, if they'll let you do that. Now, people may not react well to your prophetic word, but don't let that stop you. You want to be graceful. You want to be kind and compassionate, and you do not want to push people into places of discomfort. That is not the kingdom of God. What you want is you want to be able to release that in kindness and compassion as a prophetic voice. And, you're, and the idea is that it's not thus saith the Lord, and you don't speak in King, Engl or King James English language as, as a way to, to confirm that you really got it, okay? No, you come with humility. You speak in normal language. In fact, many times God will use you uh, symbols or words that are specific, specifically targeted to speak to their heart in a way that other words wouldn't actually penetrate. It's fascinating, okay? And that gift is available to each one of us. Each one of us. It's available to each one of us. Okay, so, uh, so God rests in you. He inhabits you. And I said Graham Cook is a good source for if you Google him. Uh, he's got YouTube stuff, uh, you know. Uh, he's blessed our lives for a long, long time. He is a prophetic voice, but he's also a teacher, uh, and uh, so, uh, but he uses that terminology, and, and to me, it really blesses me. So, you, you just need to know, uh, you, can, you can sense words, and they don't hit their mark. That doesn't mean you stop giving words, okay? But you frame them in humility so that the individual can take that word and then go, okay, Lord, I need to take this before you to find out if there's any merit to that. Yeah, because that's where we, we work together, you know. So we're, so we're giving the prophetic word, okay, and then, but we don't demand that they receive it. We're just laying it out there as a gift, and we feel it's coming from God, and they have the opportunity to pick that up and actually use that gift, that word from the Lord. Now, I believe every one of us wants a prophetic word. I want multiple ones. I love it. I love it, you know, and I, I like it when people don't know me and they come up and give me a word and it just really nails it. It's like, oh, that's so good, except when they called me to be a pastor. I didn't like that word. <laughs> but, <laughs> all right, you know, but anyway, I worked through it. Okay, you know, <laughs> and so, um, so these gifts um, that uh, 
uh, our, 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 the, the prophetic is given to us as a way uh, to, for the eyes of the Lord to speak to a particular situation or issue and to give us revelation or insight, even a solution to a problem that we might be struggling with, okay? And the, the clarity of that gift is found in our intimacy with God and with the choice of God in our life to use us and our person's motivation. Now, I did touch on that just briefly before, and that is, you know, I've been in the body of Christ long enough to run into people who, who, who see themselves as prophetic, uh, but their motivation is one of primarily selfishness, okay? I hate to say it that way, but, you know, if you've been in the charismatic uh, stream for, for very long, you'll run into people like that. And it's like, oh, you don't. You just want to hug him and go, you know, you don't need to be right all the time, you know. And the, the motivation there is they're operating not uh, uh, a, a sense of true identity of who they are. They're not okay with themselves. They need to be someone else. Now, the prophetic, because it's eyes and because people go, whoa, I love the prophetic. And we are to love the prophetic. But what happens is then you have some levels of immaturity that step into that realm and say, oh, I want that. Now, the Apostle Paul says that we are deeply to desire the prophetic. So I don't want to discourage any of us from desiring the prophetic, but we also deeply desire that God grant us a healthy and whole motivation in whatever he calls us to. And so that's where the Spirit of God works within our motivation. He works within clarifying what our deep needs are, and he brings healing to those things. Why? Because every one of us needs healing. Every one of us needs an, an ongoing encounter with the living God that transforms us into his likeness and image. Now, he has established this structure as a way, as we've talked about, the post and the wire in order for the vine. And you and I are attached to that, and we're to bear fruit so that the grapes don't grow in the ground and they don't get trampled, so that the maximum benefit is derived from the fruit that is generated within our lives. Let's pray, and we'll pick this up next week. So, Father, we thank you that, that uh, we just say it is a true privilege to be a part of your family. We thank you that you have chosen us to be sons and daughters, a royal priesthood, to administer the kingdom, rule and reign in this realm. Lord, we ask that you would heal those places within us that would war against your plan and purpose within each of our lives. Lord, we ask that you would heal this house. We ask that you would pour out your spirit. Lord, we deeply desire that you reveal yourself as a testimony to your glory and your great goodness through our lives to this city and to the region around. Lord, we look forward to all that you're going to do in and through us, and we now say yes and amen to your plans and purposes. We thank you for the structure that you have established for the power and the authority to flow from your throne of grace to each one of us for our benefit, for the benefit of this world, and to your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So next week, we'll pick it up from there.